the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back, listeners. Today, I would like to welcome the second of our scholarship winners from 2023, Kristen Freitas. Kristen's paper is titled, Orthopedic Management of Pathologic Genuverum and Valgum Deformities in Africa. Welcome today, Kristen, and thanks for being on our podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. And congratulations on winning one of our annual scholarship awards. Kristen, please tell our listeners how you ended up studying orthopedic issues on patients in Africa. This research article is really influenced by this bigger doctorate research project that I'm doing in PA school right now. Uh, that's really focusing on how early management of these nutritional deficiencies help reduce or hopefully even prevent these musculoskeletal disabilities in pediatric populations in Africa. And the reason why I chose that was just when I was going through my initial research, I ended up finding this article where these doctors surveyed these children that had these disabilities and also their families and just how it affected their daily life. Um, so I ended up reaching out to those doctors and they have been such a huge influence and guide throughout this whole research project. And really, I've just been able to develop such a big passion and love for just spreading awareness on rickets and just the different interventions in Africa. For this research project specifically, I took all that information and really narrowed it down to the different orthopedic managements or specifically the surgical interventions for these children. So for your paper for the PAOS Scholarship Award details many children that line up with genuvalgum or verum in an impoverished situation. You said the etiology of most all of these cases are vitamin deficiencies that lead to rickets. This means either a deficiency in calcium, vitamin D, or both. What are some examples of presentations of these children with genuverum or genuvalgum from rickets-associated deficiencies? Traditionally, rickets is caused by vitamin D deficiency, but specifically in sub-Saharan African countries, they actually are due to calcium deficiency, which is due to malnutrition. Um, and really, the issue with that is because the most susceptible populations for nutritional rickets is pregnant women and also infants, because a lot of times these infants are breastfed for a lot longer um, just because there's such a shortage of food. So really, if they're breastfed more than six months, they need to be supplemented with additional vitamin D. So a lot of times these infants are already becoming vitamin D deficient at such a young age. And then their diets are really focused on grains and beans. They're very calcium deficient. And if they're already vitamin D deficient, they're not able to absorb any calcium if they're able to get any from their diet. So that's why calcium deficiency really becomes a bigger issue here because uh, they're really not getting any additional um, vitamins from their diet. So a lot of these times they start to develop these deformities in their leg. What about children that get treated with vitamin supplements? How do they typically respond to the intervention? Essentially, if you can get it soon enough, you can do conservative treatment, especially if those growth plates are still open. Um, and that means supplementing with vitamin D and calcium. And really, rickets can be reduced and completely prevented with just the right vitamin supplementation. Studies show that within 6 to 10 days, bone pain improves, and then by two weeks, that swelling in those growth plates decreases, and then usually by a year or two years, 
those deformings will completely correct without any surgical intervention. The doctors that I worked with were essentially saying that a lot of times these kids are already, once they present to the hospital or the clinics, they're already at a state where they're not able to get the vitamin, like just doing the, the conservative treatment, really they're going to have to move straight to surgery, um, especially considering the distance that they traveled, the difficulty will follow that, that a lot of times um, they kind of go into the surgical management for it. Um, so that's really kind of what they end up having to do by really getting them at this conservative treatment where you're just able to um, treat them with vitamins, obviously much more ideal and less invasive. So let's talk about the surgical treatments for genuvalgum and genuvarum in these patients. I would assume that follow-up and ongoing visit compliance might be an issue. What are some of the outcomes of surgical treatments? The two main categories I focus on for surgical treatment is in this earlier stage where their growth plates are still open. So active rickets is most severe really when they're 1 to about 15 to 17-ish. And then you kind of go into this healed ricket stage where their growth plates close and they get these permanent deformities. So in this first earlier stage, if you can get it when they're still skeletally immature, you can actually use this technique called tension banding. Specifically, an eight-plate tension banding is going to be the most common and best way to treat these patients, um, where essentially they just screw in these plates on either on their femur or their tibia and then have this band that kind of bends their bone essentially back in place. And that is something that is completely able to be removed. Usually around a year is kind of the average amount of time that they're able to get that deformity to heal back up. So that's ideally the best option because we can get all that hardware back out. Difficulties with that in Africa is you need fluoroscopy to get those uh, screws in. So some clinics and hospitals don't have access to that, so they may have to use other techniques. But ideally, that's the one that most commonly used, especially if those growth plates are still open. If it is something either more severe of a deformity or um, they'd have to be already skeletally mature at this point, you're going to do uh, osteotomy, correct that deformity, and then most often fix it with the external fixator. And really, they found that in Africa, that's going to be the best option just because the patients are able to weight bear earlier on it. Um, is there less of a risk for malunion in those bones? Higher risk for a skin infection, but overall less of a risk to have to, to go back in and do any further surgical intervention. They found that that's kind of the best option for it. The doctors that I initially reached out to, they work with this organization called Cure International, and they have clinics all around Africa. And they actually have areas where the kids can stay and recover and do therapy. And then there's this other hospital that we work with in Togo next year. And they have mobile clinics that the doctors or the nurses go out and they will follow up with these patients if they end up going back to their villages to check on them, check the skin, and then eventually they'll come back to get that hardware out. And usually that hardware stays in for about three to six months and then hopefully they're able to just get in a brace and that bone will stay um, straight after that. But a lot of these kids are able to fully recover and do very well after surgery. How can people help to support nutritional needs and vitamin deficiencies in these populations? And I think the bigger issue is malnutrition. And I think this is just kind of a tip on the iceberg. Um, but really, I think the best intervention is supporting food programs and also getting supplements to these pregnant women, these infants. Earlier this year, we worked with this great organization called Kids Around the World, and they 
have a bunch of areas in Africa that they reach. And essentially, they created this meal where it has like rice, lentils, dried vegetables, and then they created this vitamin mix that essentially, if a kid is able to eat this once a day, they won't develop any of these vitamin deficiencies because they have everything they need in this little vitamin pack. Um, so I think supporting food programs like that, they're doing awesome work and they're really focusing on distributing that in the schools so the kids are able to bring it home to their family. Um, so I think supporting food programs like that, that are doing great work to kind of help this malnutrition issue in Africa. Uh, we're trying to push to get into the clinics and the hospitals as well, because I think that could also be a really cool avenue to reach these kids. Um, and then ideally, if the women are able to get their prenatal vitamins and then maybe in the clinic or in the hospitals, they're able to get um, a supply of vitamin D and calcium. Because really the prevention dose is about 400 for the vitamin D and 200 milligrams of the calcium. And if they're able to sustain that and to get that, then that could really limit rickets. Just because rickets is more of a chronic disease, it's not something that happens overnight. It's just when these kids become so chronically vitamin deficient and also malnourished is really why they develop these deformities. Kristen, thank you so much for your time. And again, congratulations on your well-deserved scholarship award. Thank you so much. On behalf of the PAOS Board of Directors, as well as the PAOS Foundation Board of Directors, we wish to wish you and all of yours happy holidays and a prosperous new year. I know that some of you need CME, and I hope you'll come to our website as we have plenty of it there for our members. Also, for the next few weeks, we'll be playing the best of from the last year's podcast and maybe some from prior years. So I hope you enjoy this, and I look forward to talking to you again next year. Take care. Have a safe holiday season.